it live and coming to you here from Ollie's Beer and Records in Cape Coral, here for a Democrat and a Republican walk into a bar. And I am your Democrat host, Dr. Cindy Banier, along with your Republican host, Sean Hartman. How's it going? Good, good. Glad to be back. We had a little bit of an illness last week. We did. I know you traveled up to Tallahassee, but I had some stomach issues as well. So it would actually work well for both of us. So I won't go into too much detail as to events that had occurred, right. but thankfully we both couldn't attend. So, I, yes, I was traveling along with the Medical Environmental Caucus of Florida, mm. and that's, I was doing some lobbying on behalf of environmental issues here in the state of Florida. So I was making sure that we were trying to let people know that the good and the bad in the bills. And so that was good, and I, I think that everybody should get involved in this type of thing, too know what's going through our state legislature and how it may affect our communities and then use their voice to advocate for those issues that are important to them. Absolutely. It's one of the things that I tend to not necessarily be liberal on, but I tend to be very supportive of the right to protest. Like when I see student-led protests, for example, I know a lot of conservatives get very butthurt over those type of protests, quite frankly, because of what the issues are. And I don't necessarily agree with the issues that some of students will walk out on. But quite frankly, I'm a big believer in the importance of protest and civic engagement as a whole. And so I always applaud that, even if it's not for my side. So definitely a big believer in in that type of stuff and people having their own views and their own beliefs, uh, which I think would pull into something that you wanted to talk about today. (laughs) Actually, we have a few things we want to talk about today. Hot issues. issues. First of all, again, in, in Cape Coral, definitely come and join us. You know, there's still time you can come catch us after the end of the show here. You're welcome to join us here. We get here about 4 p.m. on Sundays, and we go live at 4.30. So if you want to join in, you want to grab a beer, and I'm drinking today, I want to do a shout-out to a local brewery. This is a bee, beehive beekeeper, <laughs> beekeeper from LaBelle Brewing. It's a, it's a honey ale. Honey Brown Ale. It's a little dark, but it's very tasty. So love to support our local businesses here in Southwest Florida. And I know that Sean's got a soda. Mother's uh, got a soda. I'm a Dr. Pepper guy, so I've been drinking that quite often. And Evie is drinking her Sprite. And I'm sure in the next 15, 20 minutes, she will have a s'mores. Sandwich. She'll get her famous s'mores sandwich. So, yeah, they opened up a sandwich shop here so you can come, get along. They have great live events here, comedy shows. Mm. They're having another one of the hot sauce karaoke oh, situations. Sure. We talked about that at a few episodes back, and they apparently do that every couple of months. So I think it's <laughs> May. I cannot read it up there, but it's that last week of May. Oh, so yeah, we will find out before before well. this episode is out. We will find out that date and make <laughs> sure you know it. It's a good time. Love to support local businesses here in Southwest Florida. And thanking our sponsors as well. And I want to encourage everybody to get in and have dialogues and prove that it's okay to talk with your neighbors. And exactly. Friends, even if they don't agree with you on everything all the time. No. And then we are areas where we agree. And there are a lot of areas where we disagree. We have a lot of issues to talk about. And I'm just, again, this is why I like having, coming here each week, having these discussions and just making sure that we have these conversations and people know what's going on and that we can show what it's like to have these type of discussions. Oh, yeah. Hi. We've got some folks tuning in here. We are live on Facebook and YouTube through the Big Mouth Media channel. And Lori Williams is there. Hi. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Thank you, everybody. And, yeah, let's get into the issues. So you wanted me to start, right? I, we might as well start with this because this is one that you had posed. I saw it this morning, and it's a very interesting post. But why don't you? go in and discuss what we saw. And I will show you, so those of you, if you're joining us live right now, go ahead and check out, you can see it on my my post page now, it's Dr. Cindy Danier, and on my Instagram, but we'll put it into the editor's version here as well. What I was very, let me say concerned about today, was the chair of the Florida Republican Party, so this is the Republican Party for the state of Florida, Christian Ziegler, posted a post, I think it was like a couple days ago. Yes, it looks like four. Oh, this the tweet that screenshot says four days ago. So, four days ago, a few days ago, he posted a tweet saying that 
The work is not done until there are no more Democrats in Florida. That's the tweet. That and then if you even go onto his personal page, it says goal equals zero Democrats in office. So you're concerned about that. Yeah, I'm very concerned. I'm concerned about that because we're not enemies. Democrats and Republicans are parties of people in this country that coalesce around certain values and principles that they want to see their country. And I have never, and I will go on record as saying this, I have never heard any Democrat say or put in writing something that said we need to eliminate all Republicans. I've never heard this, okay? In fact, I will say for as a matter of recourse and a matter of protocol, Democrats are very cognizant to separate when they talk about Republican officials or Republican candidates versus Republican people or people who vote Republican, okay? We don't walk up and down the street saying, hey, we hate all Republicans as people. So that's the difference here. And I know that you're probably going to disagree, but I can tell you from behind the scenes as a candidate, that is something that we are very cognizant of. Mm. And so I was very worried that on this series of tweets, and not only that, but the chair Ziegler thought it was big enough deal. People were retreating this and making comments on that. And he's reveling. He thinks it's right that this is owning the libs or whatever. Yeah. So he put in his Twitter bio that he wants to have zero Democrats in office. I understand not wanting to elect the opponent party. I get that. Mm. But even like the Democratic Party of Florida, that their goal is not zero Republicans in office. Um, maybe that's our problem. <laughs> You're not ambitious enough. We're not ambitious enough, I guess. So the other thing I will say that really worried me, and I believe if you look at the tweet that I made about it, is that I said that this is not only stepping us towards autocracy, which is one party rule, which honestly is exactly what eliminating all Democrats from office means. That mm-hmm. is autocracy. Absolutely. That is authoritarian. Okay. Is the fact that the link under Christian Ziegler's name says ChristianGOP.com. Okay. And this is really laying bare a concern that a lot of Democrats and a lot of liberals and progressives have been talking about Florida is this toxic mix between Christian nationalism and party politics. So if somebody's blatantly putting out there that they are the Christian GOP, right, then this is now moving us away from straight autocracy into Christo-fascism, okay? Christo-fascism, fascism being controlled by one party, right, and working with religion, that's a Christian component of it, and then using increasingly violent and state-based violence to make that theocracy a component, right? So this is very concerning. It should concern everybody. And to note, not only is Chair Ziegler involved in the Republican Party, but his wife, Brittany Ziegler, Mm. is the founder of Moms for Liberty. Moms for Liberty, of course, being the extreme organization across the state of Florida and the country that is is involved with the book bans and extreme politics that we're finding at the school board that is very much based, very much based in Christian fundamentalism and ties right into everything that I just said. So really it's trying to make a state in Florida from top to bottom, the Ziegler couple with no Democrats and focus on Christian extremism itself. So it has got me up in arms. It lays bare some of the worst fears that Democrats have said. And I frankly think it's really inappropriate <laughs> for him to be doing this. So this. a lot, I have a lot to say. I've right. this now. I didn't realize it would go this route. But let me start with this. Having just now gone to the Christian GOP website, I would like to remind you that his name is Christian Ziegler. It's his, his political website. It has nothing to do with the Christian right or religious anything religious i'm looking at it now it's just a political website it's christian gop for me it looks like it's like a state committee man website so i don't think it has okay, anything yes for sure moms for liberty you can i guess you can bring up and because of the stuff that they're doing that sure okay the other thing though is and i read this more hyperbolic than actually something serious Look, as you're running a party, obviously, like I said, if you're not trying to defeat all of us, you're not ambitious enough. Now, I think, again, so I'm looking at this more as hyperbolic than as some sort of call to 
political repression. With that being said, though, I. No, def- January 6th, this has nothing to do with January 6th. Oh, and I January know, but I'm saying, because everybody thought that wasn't true, too. Oh, we're not going to do that. We're not going to attack the U.S. Well, that's just crazy. Oh, yeah. That's just hyperbole. That's not really going to happen. But again, even when I'm looking at what he's saying, he's not, what I'm hearing here, what I'm reading here, is that they're trying to win by use of democratic means, by means of converting voters. This is all in context of flipping Liberty County. So what I read as is what he's trying to do is recruit so many Republican voters that there's no more Democrats in office because everywhere's voting Republican. It's, I would say, an, a nearly impossible goal. And I would agree with you in the sense that, again, the work is not done until there are no more Democrats. So this is not just one county mm-hmm. and this is not just people in office. And that's what's different. The thing that really worries me, okay, great, yeah, I love it, okay, he wants to do TV, he wants to do voter yep. registration, and I know that's how he put this. I do not feel that. And I here's... do not feel that because every single day I am called out for being a Democrat. People say nasty things to my face. Mm-hmm. They say horrible things about Democrats. We're Satan worshippers. We're baby killers. Mm-hmm. We're all these things. And at some point, hyperbole and language matters. Beyond just and, what a tweet, and I agree, and I, and this is where I will agree with you because you're absolutely right. And again, one of the reasons we formed this podcast is because my side sees you as the enemy, and your side sees us as the enemy, and we oh, have. No, no. Let me correct that. My father, who's a Republican, said that he wished I wasn't running for this. I have never once called anybody who was in the Republican Party my enemy. You may, yes. My father has been so thoroughly brainwashed by GOP propaganda and Fox News and Tucker Carlson and Dan Bongino, mm. who he listens to until he got fired and <laughs> on the radio. We can talk about every that single as well. day, okay? To the extent that he was willing to say to his own daughter that I am running for the enemy. Yeah. That's a horrifying thing. No, and I again I agree with you, but I definitely disagree with you that and maybe yes, you and I are quite are in many ways the exception. And there are, I assume, just as there are many Republicans who aren't that oppositional to Democrats, there are many Democrats who are not that oppositional to Republicans. But there are people on the left, I would say probably more broadly then, who are, do feel this aggressive hatred towards Republicans for a lot of reasons. That's and, contrived. That's contrived actually by the right. What do you mean contrived? That is right-wing radio and media fodder. No, Frankly it, speaking, because listen to this. Democrats snowflakes in one breath and then say that there are these Satanist baby killing horrible people that hate everybody on the other. That is like the cognitive dissonance that exists in the narrative that Republicans have about Democrats. And this is the thing. That is because Democrats don't really work like that. We're Republic Democrats do not run out and cause all this stuff in the same way that they're being portrayed by the right wing media. It's no. just simply happen. And I will have to do this. I'll challenge everybody here. You can find me a quote from any Democratic party chair of a state saying that they want to eliminate all of the other parties. Send it to me. I will challenge that no. right now. And again, and I will say, and I've said before, I've said before on this podcast that we absolutely should not be trying to eliminate the other side. This is what happened when Blazingolia was bringing up his bill and him said that's where i thought was a more serious situation because yeah. that was trying to be implementing a policy how is that not related to this it how could is be that not an extension it, 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 of this rhetoric that is against the opposition party that is characterizing the opposition party in a way that mm. could literally lead to not only just a one-party state because that's like actually the best case scenario at this point how can this not be a stepping stone towards Continued dehumanization and political violence against the left. Again, I again, I, I don't we see it as. We had a bill that. go through the Florida legislature that sought to eliminate the party itself. We have the Florida GOP chair a few months later saying that his goal is to work until no more Democrats are in Florida. Mm. What does that mean? That's so. This is what I'm saying. This is not just oh cute hyperbolic. We're campaigning and getting out the vote. That's not what this is. This is beyond that, and this is why I'm very concerned about it. Because, and I've said this with so many folks. I have friends who are in the middle who are MTA. I've worked for 
Americans in yeah. a bipartisan space. I am extremely worried about the rhetoric, because that's what this is. This is rhetoric that can contribute to violence. In the same way that Trump's rhetoric had contributed to political violence on January 6th, this is contributing to the dehumanization and elimination of Democrats. And I frankly don't know what that means anymore. And I don't think it's limited to GOTV and voter registration. So I can, what I will say is that I agree that we shouldn't be dehumanizing any member of any party, including the Democrats. It is the reason, again, we formed this podcast. I don't read it in the way that you are, but I can understand why you're reading it in the way that you are. All right. These type of things affect you. And again, and even though you may disagree with me, there are instances where Democrats attack Republicans as well. And so in general, polarization on both sides needs to be toned down. But yes, I can understand and it needs to be out there that no party is trying to eliminate the other or politically repress the other. That should be off the table. We should be focused on, on fighting for our values and winning based on our values. And I think that is where we do agree on. And if this is more of what he's saying, zero Democrats in office, I could be somewhat more supportive of that in a sense that we are trying to win all those offices, even though I don't think it's possible. But again, I don't, if you, if he, yeah, and, but yes, if there is, I have now come to terms with the fact that the slippery slope can sometimes actually be a slippery slope. So I'm not going to just go out there and say, oh, this will never happen when you know, stranger things have occurred. No one would have thought our government would have ever been locked down two, three years ago. Okay. These type of things, you never know what's going to happen. And this is why we always have to be vigilant of a powerful and overreaching government. And if a government has the ability to eliminate a political party, that it should be concerned. And I will agree with you there that we should not let it come to that. Okay. So I think that we can stand on that too. I honestly believe in a healthy and thriving democracy that we need different perspectives and views because that's how we get better. We understand what's going on from somebody else's perspective. And I mm. do not think that it's good for people or good for communities to have authoritarian rule, to have a one-party rule. Neither so, do I. Nope. Whether it's Republicans or Democrats, I don't care because this is not voted well. You really need to have fair elections. This is actually why one of the things that I'm in favor for as opposed to gerrymandering, because that's something that I talk about a lot, is mm. Republicans and Democrats, gerrymander, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But what I want to see, I would love to see fairer and more competitive districts. I do. I think that's one of the only ways that we're going to get out of this. That's how we can actually get people to dialogue about mm-hmm. issues that are more important. I agree. And instead of just having it be one party win all, because then the worst elements, and frankly the worst elements of not even just mm-hmm. the party. You know, there there are people who are just self-centered assholes who want to get power, <coughs> and they'll take whatever avenue. And the, they exactly, get. and they'll, perf- they'll they understand that it's a performance, and that's why some of the worst get elected. And it's the people with the most connections, and whoever's connected within the party. I absolutely agree with you on this one. It's one of the things that I don't like about Lee County is, even though I am a Republican and I want us to win, I don't want us to walk away with it. And that's why I like when. When we first started actually meeting with each other, it was actually because I think it was two, two, four, four years ago, the Democrats ran a Democrat in every legislative seat. And I got super excited because I thought, okay, we're finally going to have competition to race. Obviously, there's people don't debate. People don't even acknowledge that the other Democrats are running. But I think that it's important that we compete and we have these discussions even with your and your first race with Byron you had a debate and I was very happy that he did that because most people wouldn't do that I'm sure he was advised not to do that Francis Rooney did it that was one of my biggest critiques of him he didn't Mm -hmm. debate he didn't do town halls oh no never he did when he first ran for congress I actually moderated one of the only debates that he was at it was like two two or three debates that he ended up doing when he was running the first time afterwards he could I didn't even know he existed. He yeah. just, he was just not, I, he was a non-existent factor. But I absolutely agree. I think that we are a better country when we are in a healthy competition. It's like sports. If you're, t- if you're like a parent who takes their kids to a little league game, you're competing with each other. It's, it's an aggressive competition, but you're like high-fiving each other at the end and you're all part of your, it's, there's a sportsman-like conduct. And so I, I would not, I absolutely agree with you. Tax. What? That's why we have spending tax. 
right? You can buy whatever you want. That was one of the big mm. criticisms of both the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox. Why they were two of the only teams in town or in the game is because they had this ability to buy a lot of votes mm. and buy the best talent. And yep. yeah, if you then it's not fun. It's not fun. Yeah. It's not fun when one party or one person, one team mm. steamrolls the other. And not to say that it's perfectly correlated. <laughs> so no. Votes and politics are not the same. But the idea is that we that if we do not if we're not engaged, right? There's no reason to engage if there's only one party. Mm. And frankly we don't know what the truth is. And yeah. I will say that um, if you want to hear a little bit more about this and how some of the dangers of autocracy, I definitely recommend that you listen to the podcast that Rebecca Jones and I just did on Chernobyl. Because if you really mm. think about what happened during Chernobyl, it was a series of lies and moves to save face because everybody was in a one-party state, was communist Russia, was the Soviet era, and there was no no reason to have transparency or truth. And everybody was so afraid of being the one who was left holding the bag, the one who, yeah. who knew the things. They would rather just pretend it wasn't happening because their whole life trajectory was affected by that. And the same thing happens in communist China as well. So Why we don't know anything about the true cause of the COVID-19 um, situation. Like, I really it, think, I think I said that before, I think that it is the... The Wuhan lab? It was, no, it wasn't the Wuhan lab, it was the market. Oh, the market. Oh, did we talk about that with SARS? I don't think, I don't think we did. But anyway, but listen in about Chernobyl, this is what, I can't remember which anniversary, but the anniversary is on April 26th. But that, they literally, like, almost destroyed the entire world. Right? <laughs> to try to keep because it silent. they were so enmeshed in this mm. one party state, right, that they, no one could face the truth to do the right thing. <clears throat> and there was one man who did it, mm. and he was then <clears throat> put in a corner, mm. and and he ended up killing himself just so that his case that catalogued what actually happened would come to light. I think that we really need to examine that kind of thing. What does it really mean? Because this is, again, mm. Let's have competition, let's have dialogue, but let's not just root for our side in terms of the party politics because that's extremely dangerous. Yes, okay, that that I can agree with. I wouldn't, and even though, again, like, I I don't read the same thing you're reading into Chairman Ziegler's. I hope you're right. I hope I'm right, too. I hope you're wrong. I hope you're wrong because I don't want a situation in which we are the only party in town. First off, that would mean we'd have all the responsibility and... Then we get all the, blame. all the blame. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, hope that you're, I hope that I'm wrong because yeah. I don't want to read into this, which is an escalation of political violence and an actual necessity to perpetrate that violence against Democrats. Yeah. And I really, I and we should... I've had death threats. I've had threats of violence to me over the years. And all of it stems from me being a woman and a Democrat. And that's a really scary thing. And I would hate to see that, that and... extended to anybody who and I do want to mention here as well, we had a similar situation when I was in the College of Republicans. We had death threats in our group, and we actually had to have police presence at our meeting. Again, we shouldn't have this at all. People shouldn't be giving, providing death threats or threatening or attacking individuals because of their political beliefs, period, yeah. period. Let's debate it, but let's yeah. get back to that. I just want to say real quick, let's see, Lori is raising interesting comments here. She said that she had... Uh, there was a woman who went to the Trump, was actually the fundraiser for the Lee County. Oh, yes, the Lincoln-Reagan dinner, yes. The Lincoln-Reagan dinner, and Trump was there, but some woman was quoted as saying that everybody who doesn't believe the election was stolen should be executed for treason. I don't know who that was, but that's the type of thing that I'm worried about. I agree. Folks who are taking it to that next level and are like, see some of these comments like, hey, they're And not that we have to respond violently. And that they're not going to, they're going to respond violently. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm worried about. Because I really, honestly, I don't think that, I don't think that Christian Ziegler is going to raise an arm to anybody. But will his words inspire somebody else? Will it make me a target? Here, here's I'm where I would, worried about that. here's how unfortunately where I would disagree with you, though, is even if Christian Ziegler didn't post that, I think there are still, unfortunately, many far-right extremist Republicans who would still see you in that violent light, regardless of what he posted. I would disagree with you there. There are, unfortunately, and I will say, I do think there are probably more Republicans than Democrats right now who are violently trying to kill or would want to kill Democrats. 
in this way. I haven't heard that language from Democrats. That's not to say Democrats or progressives haven't to us. But it some of the stuff I have seen, even from my own side, even from my own colleagues, I will say I am not I agree with you in those concerns. So if that's what you're concerned about, I do share those concerns. It what I don't again re, I don't read into Christian Ziegler trying to like set up a political repression of one party state like Mao Zedong trying to like imprison all of his all of the democratic opposition. That's not what I'm reading from this. What I'm reading from his intention, at least from his comments, is we want to win enough Republican votes that the Democrats essentially become obsolete. Now, again, Republicans could have some right-wing Republicans saying, oh, yeah, that means that we have to execute the Democrats. But again, I think that... It's like the ground versus normalization. Yeah. Anyway, so I think that we've left this discussion dead on the side. (laughs) Beat beat the dead horse quite enough. I was going to say, that was Ron DeSantis. (laughs) That's not a lot of language. Which which I don't, which I don't think he. I'm actually, I do think that I know that Republicans are dismissing Nikki Fried as chairwoman, but I'm very interested to see what she does and to see if she can actually improve on the Democratic operations. Because if the party, but party operations that need to be fixed, if you guys do that, you know there are areas where you can have a real shot at least to eliminate the two thirds supermajority that we have. Yeah. Thank you. I saw that Laura had said something about the audio, so I was trying to fix it. I'm trying to get this audio equipment to work. We're testing. Yeah, we're testing out new um, audio equipment, so we're. I think it's like every time I turn my head, but anyway, we'll someday. I have to hold the wire so you don't hear the rubbing of my shirt. But, but yeah, so yeah, if you want to help us out, go ahead and get a subscription to Big Mouth Media. We have our everything subscription. And we have an event coming up. We don't. We're still plotting out the major. June 18th, we're still plotting out the details, but that it's an event that will be ticketed, but subscribers will be able to get in without a ticket right. or so free. Subscribers will get into the event for free. It's going to be an extension of the Democrat versus Republican idea, this Democrat and Republican walk into the bar. It's going to be hosted here at Ollie's, and we are looking to have some comedians and to do a debate. We're working on the format itself, but we think it's going to be a great time, hopefully, that we can come together mm. Yeah. And we can come up with exactly. And I do want to I do want to get back to some of these issues because I know you mentioned because you were bringing up Chernobyl and the recent podcast that you did with Rebecca Jones. What's interesting is there was legislation that I just saw being proposed that I do want to talk about. And I am opposed to it where they're trying to hide or censor and retroactively censor the governor's transportation. So anytime he travels on the public dime. They're going to keep that from the public in this new legislation that I've been reading. I think it's SB 1619. I'll have to check exactly. But that, again, going to your point, and I want to take a step back here, and I know that there's a lot of accusations that you make very publicly about authoritarianism, and I firmly disagree with the notion that the Republicans are an authoritarian party. We are a strong anti-authoritarian party. But there has been, within Tallahassee, centralization of power that is concerning. And this is, yes, I would not call it that. But come on, listen. Here, okay, here's what I'll. Not liking authoritarians and then acting autocratic. When one party rule, when, when, when one party is consolidating power, that is acting in an autocratic manner. When the chair of the GOP comes out and says he wants to eliminate all Democrats. That is autocratic. These are not. These are. The, these are not like. These are definitely. Look, I. means one party rule. We are I ostensibly will, already under one party rule yeah, in the state of Florida. So now there's even more power consolidation. There is consolidation within the administration under Ron DeSantis as he is putting his own folks. Listen, the public mm-hmm. interest is playing out. With Disney. Yeah. Okay, that's Disney. That is an autocratic power grab by Ron DeSantis. Okay. That's what we're seeing. That's the public administration term for what that is. Or the political science term. That's what that is. Um, and even within his own party, he's only allowing leadership priority. 
so death home rule mm. and undermining particularly democratic initiatives across the state, specifically over the past several years around environmental issues mm. such as straw bans and plastic bags. And these are autocratic moves. Now, they I, may not have as much of a turn authoritarianism the as their main party flank yet, but they're pretty dang close. Yeah, so I will give this. Again, the centralization of power are become more authoritarian than I would be comfortable with. When it comes to something such as, again, like you said, it, in general, first off, the party leadership back in the day, only anything that they wanted would go to the floor of the House or the Senate, which I was opposed to then too, but at least there was a level of independence. Wilton Simpson was willing to buck Ron DeSantis back when he was Senate president. All right. Now that's not the case. You're absolutely right. He has now controlled the party, and there are areas where he is exercising, he is behaving in an authoritarian manner in the sense that he is exercising an overreach of government authority and expanding that government authority and centralizing that and government. That bill is one of the examples of it. Yes, that bill, well, the Blazing Goldie bill. Is key for democracy. Mm. We actually need transparency in a lot of ways so that people can be informed, especially when they're voting and involved in the process. Exactly. And so, actually, I believe firmly believe that any American who should be opposed to legislation and practice that mm. hides government information from people, especially things that yeah. aren't like national security. No, I agree. I absolutely agree. So that's where I wanted to call this bill out because I do believe we need transparency is important. We have sunshine laws, which make it we're well known for our transparency laws. So we absolutely should know this type of information as we as taxpayers deserve to know. Again, I don't, again, I, the party itself, the Republican Party, the principles that we stand for and the values that we stand for are anti-authoritarian. But I will absolutely call out my own party when they are centralizing power in a way that is coming off as authoritarian. Right. All right. That, that we need to be very careful with. And even if, it, and I'll say this for, from a Republican standpoint, what if a Democrat was doing this? If a Democrat was doing this, we would be very concerned and rightfully, all right, if a Democrat was going to go over and control even their own party from the legislature, trying to even say the other law that came out that actually just passed is the change of the resign to run law. That is literally writing a law for one man. Yep. What if a Democrat was to do that? Let's say Charlie Crist was governor or Nikki Fried was governor and one of them wanted to run for president and they changed the law. That would be wrong. And what's good for the goose is what's good for the gander. And as, as a Republican, we really need to stand by our – we talk about being the free state of Florida and being free. And a lot of that means, as well, having a government that's limited in power and transparent. And so I will absolutely condemn any centralization of power. But I do want to call out that one. And this other law, too, where it's basically for one man allowing him to run for president, yeah. and it's it just – it rinks of cronyism. It rinks of all the things that, as a Republican, I'm against. And we have to stand by our principles. I, or at least in my opinion, I think Republicans need to stand more for our principles than for any particular individual, whether it's Trump, whether it's DeSantis. And we've had that issue with my party broadly, I where it's been a... Republicans stand for anything. No, that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. I'm Sorry. standing on principles over people. Good. What, what was it? There's a lady, Chris Ann Hall, she has a statement where it's like principles over personalities or policy over personalities. I don't even remember what it is, but it's how I feel. It's we have to stand by what our actual values are. And there are things that have been proposed by legislators or have been done by our governor that cross the line in terms of government overreach and i love i i support governor DeSantis still i do i think so i you don't think that he's dead and there's a body double i don't think he's dead no no he, wait, is, i have not heard about that principles before personalities thank you Lori. <laughs> so this was like in the gossip mill that i heard in collier <laughs> county but apparently there are some Say that Ron DeSantis is actually dead and that the state is being run by a body double. <laughs> so I don't think that's not as a popular theory in Lee County. 
I have not heard that in Lee County. I hope that's not a popular theory in Lee County. I think it's ridiculous. I think you do have a lot of Lee County Republicans. I think Southwest Florida Republicans in general seem to be very pro-Trump, but they're not anti-DeSantis. You did hear me say that people in Collier, some Republicans in Collier County, think that Ron DeSantis is a body double. Yeah, we had a a bit of an audio issue, so we may not have heard Cindy, but just so in case anyone didn't hear it, apparently there are people in the Collier County Republicans who, I guess, believe that Ron DeSantis is a body double and that he's really dead, which I've heard for Hillary Clinton, too, apparently. So I guess... is this, and Melania Trump, I heard there was a body double for Melania Trump. They're all going. There must be like one company that's servicing all these body doubles. Like that body doubles the, the ta- the, you, there's one talent agency that handles all the body double models for major politics. Yeah, yeah. So, <coughs> yeah, that was something that I have heard in Collier County amongst some folks who may be in part of Republican. So, I don't know. I'm not going to make assumptions. If you had heard that. I have not heard that, no. Okay. So, one other thing I wanted to ask in terms of your legislation was that I had heard that there was a series of bills that were coming up about changing who is qualified to be a public figure so that it would be easier to hide certain people's identities. And I don't know where it's been. I know this was introduced earlier, but I was a little bit worried about that because it also somewhat changes the level of defamation laws. And I know that the big defamation law, the big defamation law situation came about, and but that had failed, I believe. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I haven't heard anything in particular, so again, we seem to still be having audio issues. But in case you didn't hear, she's apparently there's legislation that's being proposed that will change the the require the transparency requirements for public figures so they'd be able to hide more information and, and basically be i assume be able to run without that any information being released i know that there's been a series of bills that have been proposed that would make defamation easier i have a mixed feelings on this obviously i don't want any legislation that prevents journalists and the media from doing their job and holding people accountable. I come from the journalistic side. I reported on our Cape Coral City Council. I reported on our city manager. I've reported on other elected officials when I was in Orlando. So we definitely shouldn't be censoring journalists or censoring media. Where I can see where this bill could potentially be useful is when, you know, people promote downright lies against politicians and i think this could be used against really i feel like this will probably be more used against people like newsmax and fox news that's where i don't get right that if we're doing this then some of the biggest perpetrators are conservative news organizations what was interesting and i do believe i solved our yeah problem. we did it perfect okay <laughs> good actually what i had heard that trey Raydal, right who was the former yeah. CD19 congressman mm. was actually sent a letter to the state of Florida saying, hey, look, this is going to affect conservative media more than anybody else. And that is what ultimately killed the defamation bill mm. in the Florida legislature. That makes sense. Which is ironic. But, but yeah, I, uh, again, transparency is important. There is a reason why we have these sunshine laws and we're known for it. Florida is supposed to be a big believer in transparency, and we should want that. When you even go back to the term republic, it talks about that the government is a public thing. That's what it means. So the fact of the matter is, if you want to run for office and be a public official, you have to face the scrutiny that comes with that. If you don't, hundred percent. And if you don't want to deal with that, if you don't want to deal with the crap that like Cindy has had to deal with, or that I had to deal with for about a few months before I dropped out. Or right. that other candidates have to deal with, then don't run. All right, it's called public office for a reason because you're a public figure. If you won't want a private life, don't run for public office. It's very simple. Okay, so <laughs> I love that you said that, and I didn't tell you that I wanted to talk about this, but I'm going to okay. spring this on you. <laughs> oh, okay, dear. 
because I think that's correct, right? That that we have to be, there's an expectation that people who run for public office are held to account and need to explain it and have some sort of accountability for the things that they have done, like in the current, in the past, all of it, right? It's like fair game or not, it's out there and you have to be able to talk about it. So there was an article that was published on Friday and I'm not sure if you saw it because I actually didn't post it yet. But there was an article on Friday about Byron Donald's senior advisor, Larry Wilcoxon. Did you no, see it? No, I did not see any article. About so that. I will share that in the link with this. And as we, when I put this out on Monday as well. But basically, it was calling into question all of Larry Wilcoxon's criminal past. Mm-hmm as going all the way back to 26 or going as early as 2016. So like Mm. in terms of time, so that's less than 10 years ago. Mm. I have had several intimidating run-ins with Larry Wilcoxon. And the one that was the most bizarre to me was with him. And then also Byron Donald's staff here in Southwest Florida, Jesse Purden. Mm. And both of them were attacking me because they were upset that I was tweeting and putting on social media information about both of their past history. So I was talking about the car accident that Jesse Purden was cited for that killed a woman on I-75. And then I was talking about Larry's criminal history. And actually the article that I'll post verifies much of the information that I have had about Larry's violent past. And Jesse Purden, who, by the way, is a Bonita Springs city councilman. So he's not only a staffer, but he's a politician himself. Mm. When he killed the woman on I-75, he was actually running for state house. So he... That was why he dropped out. And that's why he dropped out. And this is something that was so bizarre to me. So Jesse is coming at me saying, oh, you don't know how terrible it was. And I'm like, are you not aware that you're a politician? Like, politicians have to have... There's scrutiny about this. And the thing is, you should have a way better response than, oh, my God, it was so terrible. And you don't know how much it hurt my feelings. And how dare you talk about that? So he was having like a special little snowflake? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And not only that, but you should have a better response who killed somebody than then you don't know how hard it was for me. Yeah. Which is like the most yeah. disgusting response that you could possibly have. Yeah. I, and again, I don't really know much about Jesse's accident there. What I will say is, as he is a public figure, as he's an elected official, yes, absolutely, he is open to that scrutiny. And he, if what you, assuming that what that act, what you say is true, he, that makes him sound like a big crybaby, honestly. But I was surprised. I it was definitely like, comes out, it comes out pretty childish. But it just, he does need to be. And uh, he ran public. on a again, I wasn't there. It was like, I, was, I wasn't there, so I don't know exactly what happened. But with Larry, with Larry, with Larry, though, he's not an elected official. He's still within this, the staff. So, sure, I could understand. But he had been and, a candidate previously. Yeah, and so then that would have been public. So, again, when you're working in politics and when you're look, working in public office, unfortunately, everything gets is affected. And it really, even it goes even further, not just an individual, and this is something I've thought about as well with any future run, is that you don't scrutinize, it's not just you, it's your family. You'll probably remember with Bill Clinton, he had his brother's issue. We have Hunter Biden, Jimmy Carter had sibling issues. So when you run for office, it puts a lot of public scrutiny on you and your family and the people around you. And And I think your staff, too. I think that it's, I think staff, even though they themselves aren't fully public, but they're not fully private either. We're not talking, I'm not like, I'm not like asking for Larry's diary. And this is like information that you can get with a FOIA. It's a weird middle ground. And yeah, you're absolutely, criminal records are pretty easy easy to access. Again, from, yeah, obviously you've had different relationships than that with Larry than I did. I've only met him a few times. He just seems like a, just a very upbeat individual. Upbeat's a way to put it. Upbeat's a way to put it. But look, again, it's Byron's decision on who he staffed. And apparently Byron, he's a loyal compatriot of Byron. And so I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. But as my congressman, I have every right to question the people whom he has put in charge of his affairs, frankly. I'm a constituent too, right? Yeah, no, you are. I think that it's inappropriate that... He has people on staff who are 
intimidating people in our community, myself including, Kelly mm. Lichter in Collier County, whose first recourse is outburst and attack. And I think that we have a right to to think so, especially with Larry, like I, I can let all the stuff with Jesse go. I think he got a pass. That's my personal opinion. And I can have that opinion Yeah. because I'm an individual person. I can have that opinion and say, I think he got a pass on it, even though he was cited for the accident. Mm. I know that he was at a Republican fundraiser at Social House where there was alcohol because it was a bar. Coincidence that he was at a place like that. And then he killed a woman on I-75. I don't know. I'm going to let people think about that for themselves. Is it terrible? Yeah. Was it terrible Terrible for Jesse? I'm sure it was. Does that mean that he's not accountable and shouldn't be held accountable for it? No. No. I think he should be held accountable for it. Just the same way that anybody should be held accountable if they use their vehicle and kill somebody in an accident that they've been cited for. Uh, But I'm going to let that go because I don't think that should stop his life. Right? No. Now, The situation with Larry is different because he has got a long criminal history going back 30 years, you guys. Larry's first time that he ran into the law was 30 (coughs) years ago where he was in Immokalee Mm -hmm. and he went to, was attempted murder. So this is somebody who's got a lifelong criminal history. I do think people can be rehabilitated. Has Larry been rehabilitated? No, because two times in the last year, he's used his physical presence to intimidate women in public. And mm. will he do that to any political rival? Yeah, probably. Yeah, so again, I don't know of any of these incidents of physical intimidation or anything. So I can't really speak to it. If this type of stuff is happening, I would be very much opposed to it. Because staffers, when you're, it would be different if you're like a campaign staffer. This isn't a campaign staffer. Right. This is a congressional staffer. That means, by definition, you have to listen and re- and be respectful to all the constituents, regardless of their political affiliation. And that's just the way it is. Now, on the campaign trail, if he's a campaign staffer and he wants to be aggressive, I personally wouldn't approve of it. But at least he's not doing it as a representative of the federal government. At least he's doing it as a representative of the campaign. He, uh, again, I don't know any of these situations. I'm sure they, from what you can tell me, I'm sure they can links. be corroborated. Oh, yeah, because I don't just talk smack. No, I, you don't see you. I've never really seen you as that, that, that type of person. But regardless, I think that there's more of a case in the sense of how he's behaving now than of his criminal record. Because I, again, as a Christian, we're taught to forgive. We just had, I actually, my sermon at my church today was all about forgiveness. In the sense, if he was, if he had done criminal history and then had shown himself rehabilitated, then yes. But what you're saying, if you're, what you're saying, of course, is that he's out there intimidating physically different individuals. That is an entirely different discussion, and that should should not be allowed. But again, and, and I don't I, know if that's happening. I've never, I don't know what's going on. And that's mean. fine. You don't have to corroborate that. But I think that at yeah. the very least, we can agree on that. These types of questions, when we talk about them, when we ask about them, we should be able to hold people who are running for public office accountable for them. It should be something that we can talk about. And this is not something that is out of bounds, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Exactly. That I agree with you with. Transparency is extremely important. I think that whether it's whatever the government's doing, whatever public officials are doing, whatever past that they may have, these all things need to be subject to public scrutiny. And to the the sunshine, if you will. Absolutely. I think that's an area where we are in agreement is the importance of transparency. Good. So we just got a few minutes left. Is uh, there anything else that you wanted to we, touch on? I wanted to, to talk about the debt ceiling, but I don't think oh, we have time. Oh, let's do the debt ceiling next time. You know, like I was going to say, we're going to have to do that one next time. Let's do that next week. But we, I think we talked about a lot of important issues because I think that when it comes to the issue of authoritarianism, which I know you're very concerned about, And I get very very defensive again when it comes to my party being accused that way because that's not what we stand for. But we should be more mindful of when centralization of power occurs within our party. And I think as a general rule, we need to ask ourselves, if the Democrats do this, would we be okay with it? And there are just things and strategies and tactics that either the governor or different members of our party have been doing that need to be scrutinized as well especially if uh, Governor DeSantis is wanting to run for president, as it seems like he very much wants to do. And I, we welcome into the race. And I'm not, I'm, 
not making any public endorsements on anyone yet. No, you're not ready? I'm not ready yet, no. I'm privately talking to one presidential campaign. I'm trying to get a position, so we'll see what happens there. There But I'm not going to get into any further detail than that. But what I will say is, look, and I don't want to bash Ron. I think he's done a lot of great things for our state. But I think there are a lot of areas where we need to be more mindful about how much power we're giving individuals and how much power we are centralizing in Tallahassee. That, to me, is not what Republicanism is. Great. And I'll say, I hope I'm wrong. Yep. I I think especially on this Christian Ziegler thing, I think you're wrong. But I think where we can agree is violence against Democrats is wrong. Violence against Republicans is wrong. Absolutely. Let's take a step back and take a breather, even though we can disagree on a lot of these issues. Even in reading a tweet, we can disagree on how we read the tweet. We can still have a conversation and be understanding. And we just need to not try to execute the other side. Absolutely. So I want to end with that because I think that's what we really talked about here and what we really, but I think that's the major theme and why we have this podcast. And we'll do debt ceiling next week. We'll do debt ceiling. And we did, I'll have to bring the list, but I have a list of big bipartisan achievements that we have Oh, that's right. The bipartisan chief. That'll actually be good next week because next week is the last week of session. Last week of session, exactly. We hopefully can add to some of those achievements and we'll actually know what's totally been passed or not. Exactly. Then we could have a much broader conversation of all these different bills and everything. But that was, it was just a good discussion. I'm very glad we got a chance to have good. it. Good. And I'm glad I figured out to turn on the microphone. That's very <laughs> smart of me. All right. Thank you so much for joining us here for a Democrat and a Republican walk into a bar. I've been your Democrat host, Dr. Cindy Banier. And I'm your Republican host, Sean Hartman. And thanks to Ollie's for hosting us. And we will see you next week here. Same time, same bat channel, same <laughs> bat location. Come join us and grab a drink. And don't forget to help support local media just like us. Go to BigMouthMediaFL.com. You can get a subscription for our show. I still haven't changed it yet, so it's still $2.99 a month or $29.99 a year. You can grab that deal before I get in there and change it. Or you can get everything from Big Mouth Media for $19.99 a month or $199 a year. And that will help to make sure that we have the equipment and we're able to present the diverse perspectives just like the ones you saw here today. And again, if you get that membership, you will be able to attend our June 13th unnamed debate night. For free, you won't have to pay for a ticket. So yep. that's another added bonus that we're giving Our you. Our amazing so event. Make yeah. sure to subscribe while it's still two ninety nine. That's right. Free. While it's still two ninety nine, get that deal. I'm telling you, she's gonna she's gonna switch it probably I gotta in the next do few it. hours. That's right. <laughs> All right, thanks everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.